Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, almost here, around the corner technology. And today I have Ben Hayward, uh, CEO of Zabian Tech, X-A-B-I-A-N. And uh, Zabian works with prosthetics, custom prosthetics, for people that have lost uh, or have problems with lower limbs. How are you doing, Ben? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good. Thanks for doing the interview. I appreciate it. Um, you know, can you expand upon my uh, you know two second introduction? What you know, what is it Zabian does, and why, and what do you guys do? Yeah, sure. Um, so, as you said, we work with prosthetics, uh, particularly prosthetics for lower limbs, so for for legs. And attaching a prosthetic to the human body is incredibly difficult. You're attaching it to scar tissue, and you're you're having to support their entire body weight. So, what we do is we we've developed software that designs uh, the, the shape of that connection point so that it fits really well and is really comfortable for the MPT. So do you, um, what do you 3D scan the, um, the, the site where you're going to attach the prosthetic to get a fit? Yes, that's correct. We use a 3D scanner to capture the shape of their remaining leg and then we design from there um, what, how, what should that connection be to their leg. Yeah. Okay. Well, why... Um Legs and not arms and other prosthetics. What you know? Do you have personal experience with this? Hopefully not. Or what's the reason? Uh, it's, it's a good question. So it's a huge problem for legs, but not so much arms. And the reason for that is you're supporting so much more weight on your leg, so that um, mm. the pressure distribution uh, on the prosthetic has to be a lot better for legs because you're carrying that much more weight. But it's not so much mm. an issue for for arms, obviously. Yeah, yes, yeah, the, the, um, <clears throat> where the prosthetic attaches, you know, walking is constantly load-bearing, you know, on, off, on, off, on, off, thousands of yeah. cycles, so. Exactly, yeah, hmm. that's it. <clears throat> what kind of uh, materials do you use? What works best and why for the prosthetics? So, yeah, so we, we use 3D printing, but we 3D print a mold. So what we do is we use, um, well, currently we're using FDM printers and printing in PLA, and the great thing about PLA is you can heat it up um, with relatively modest temperatures and then reform it um, with just a hand or, or, or whatever implement you want to use. And this is oh. great if there's some complications such as calcification um, or just something that the software then picks up, then the doctor can remold it slightly and then use that mold um, with carbon fiber to create the final socket. That's great because I'm sure, um, you know, before this, prosthetics would take a long time to make, they were very expensive, and if it didn't fit right, I guess you'd have to throw it away and get another one made, but now you don't, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's part of the deal. So with, um, at the moment, so they're, they're handmade, which takes a long time. In, in the UK, that's about five to six weeks, um, which is you know, really difficult for the MPT when they're having to wait that long. Um, I met with someone last week who's had 10 prosthetic legs this year, because you can't get one that's comfortable. And when you're having to wait wow. five or six weeks per, per time, it's really difficult. Um, so yeah, wow. they do have something called a diagnostic socket, which is a, a flexible plastic, a bit like PLA, but a higher um, melting temperature. 
and that does help them to get the right fit. But um, e even using that, it, it, there are problems. As I said, this guy came back home, and the next day it was uncomfortable. Huh. So um, hopefully the right. technology will, will quicken that process. Have you seen that <clears throat> people need uh, different prosthetics? Like um, no matter how good the fit, can someone wear the same one every day, or do they need to change them out, like shoes or, you know, uh, does that help? That's a really cool question. So, yeah, so you'll, you will use different prosthetics or different... So, so the part that connects the prosthetic to the person's body is called a prosthetic socket. So it's a bit like a cup okay. that goes over their leg. Um, so you will sometimes want a different prosthetic leg or a different socket for different activities. So a lot of amputees in the Western world have lost a leg because of diabetes. And so they'll be older and may not want to do a lot of activities. So they may have one which is a bit more um, cushioned and a bit more flexible, whereas someone who's young and doing a lot of activity may want a bit one, uh, one that's a bit more rigid. Um, so you may use carbon fiber for the, for the socket instead of uh, a nylon-based um, a nylon-based socket. Okay. Do you, um, yeah, any comments on, um, there was a runner, I guess, from South Africa named Pretorius or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did he have a traditional prosthetic? Did he have a 3D printed one? Like, what was his, uh, just out of curiosity, you know, because he yeah, was in the media. So, so the, the, the limbs that they use, um, they're often called blades. They're, they're not the ones that you'd use on an everyday basis. Um, but people don't tend to 3D print um, prosthetics. And the reason for that is they are generally a bit weaker than traditional materials. So to get the same factor of safety, you'll need to use, um, it would have to be thicker. And so it's heavier mm. and more cumbersome. And also um, people normally presume that 3D printing is quicker, but it isn't always the case, um, especially if your material has to have be solid um, and it, if it's quite large and obviously if it's a larger print you you have an increased risk of a failed print um, so it 3d printing isn't always the best option what well, is basically what I'm saying is so that's partly why we 3d print a mold um, instead of 3d printing the actual socket that makes sense okay so you you're 3d printing the mold so you can get the dimensions closer and more custom than any other method but yeah, then for exactly the strength right. and the durability, you're using more traditional manufacturing. Yes, yeah, perfect, yeah. Well, yeah, we're using That's it. That's a good marriage, Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, why, why do you work in this field? Like, what's your backstory? How did you get into it? Yeah, so I was at the university, and I, I saw a student who was blind walking around, um, having a bit of a difficult time. And it got me thinking that we, we give blind people sticks to help them get around and it just seemed crazy it's, it seems like the most outdated technology in the world i mean there's been trees around for i don't know how many millions of years and we're giving people sticks uh, when blindness is one of the most debilitating forms of disability um so that got me interested in technology and disability um and prosthesis because you have visual prosthesis as well and that slowly moved over to making bionic limbs um but one of the most, you would think that the big problem with prosthetics is getting a prosthetic leg that articulates very well and is very responsive. But a lot of people have prosthetic legs that they don't wear just because they're so uncomfortable. 
Um, and mm. so that's what got me interested in rather than the, the actual leg side, but in how we attach those to the human body. Okay. So how long, how long have you been doing this? Um, when did you decide to start the company and, you know, what's been the, the path you've been on? Yeah, so we've been doing this for about two years now. And okay. as you say, the pathways has been a lot of big pivots. So we were originally also doing the bionic leg, but we moved away from that and focused solely on this this socket design. Um, primarily because as, as a startup, uh, a bionic leg is going to be a, a class two medical device, and that's going to defer the entry to market by some way. So it was a more um, business uh, strategic move rather than um, a technology perspective. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably the biggest pivot moving just to just this uh, socket. Okay, uh, and then who are the customers? You said uh, in the Western world, it's more older people, maybe lost a limb to diabetes. Um, anything in Africa? People that stepped on landmines? Any other applications in different countries? Yeah, so I think well, at the moment we're starting in, in the Western world uh, primarily because that's um, the most feasible business model, but we do, I mean, the main reason why I got into this was helping people in developing countries, and what's great about Xabian is it's a web-based platform, so we can treat people remotely. Uh, less than 5% of people in third world communities have access to an appropriate prosthesis, but that's mainly because there aren't the doctors there to treat people. So if you have a technology that allows you to treat people remotely, um, that's really exciting as well, as well as it being uh, a lot faster, about 50 times faster and um, a lot more affordable. So we've been talking to UNICEF for some time now about becoming a supplier for them and we'd want to offer that to them uh, near near free. So that's, hmm. I think there's a bigger impact in developing countries but it's not uh, our main focus for now but it's our long-term vision. Okay. And you talked about a bionic leg. Is that for someone that has their leg, but they need assistance with the muscles or, you know, being able um, to bear weight? Yeah. Um, I guess that'd be more in the exoskeleton um, kind of category. Um, mm. At the moment, a lot of prosthetics aren't powered, i.e. they don't have a motor in there um, to move the joints. And for good reason. I mean, when you're adding a big motor and then a big battery, you're adding a lot of weight. Um, and also there's a lot of systems out there which you can capture energy and then release it again so you, you, you can kind of bypass that problem. And also motors tend to make noise and it may seem like a small deal but when you're walking and you're constantly hearing that noise and constantly rem being reminded that you're an amputee, it actually affects people psychologically. Um, okay. So most, a lot of prosthetics aren't bionic at the moment um, but there are benefits to having a motor when you're going um, up inclined terrain. You, you need the extra power. So we're trying to yeah. develop something, a low-powered but bionic leg, which was relatively quiet. Hmm. Okay. Well, with your current process, <clears throat> so what are the steps someone goes to? Um, do they first go to your website or they their doctor uses the website or you ship them a 3D scanner? Or like, how, how does this whole thing work step sure. by step? yeah. Um, yeah, so earlier you said that uh, we were talking about customers and customers in the developing world. Um, uh, they're actually our end users. Um, so our customers really are the doctors and the people that obviously pay for it, whether that's 
an insurance company or a national health service. Um, so what would happen is an amputee would go to a doctor and then the doctor would use our system to fit the amputee with a, with a prosthetic. So it's actually doctors that are interacting with our website and taking the scans, or doctors or technicians. Um, so yeah, and, and then the, the amputee will go away and it will be 3D printed and built and hopefully collected the, the next day. And um, how is the scanning done? Does the doctor do that, or do you ship them a device, or how does it yeah, work? Yes, so the, the technician would do that. At the moment, we're using a depth mapping sensor, so similar to the technology in a, a Kinect for, for Xbox, um, but there are other technologies. We're, we're talking to a, a company in Belgium about different 3D uh, scanning technologies, but... Um, yeah, so you, you would you would scan, the technician would go around the leg scanning it, capturing a 3D shape, and then upload that scan to the website. Hmm, okay. And what's the time frame, um, you know, from the time you go in and, and get scanned, how long until you can get your um, your prosthetic? So we're we're saying under 48 hours. It could actually be done... In, a, in about a day, if it was really pushed, but 48 hours, it should be it should be ready compared to the five or six weeks that it it currently is. Wow, that's a lot better. Yeah, huh. yeah. <laughs> that, that's what so what's um? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so that that's the the main thing about the technology is really the speed. Um, so we were in the Netherlands over the summer, and they use a hands-free system that's very quick but has relatively poor results, but they, they still use it because they really wanted to make that push for faster treatment. Um, but that, that technology actually isn't used in the UK because the results are so um, unreliable and generally quite poor. So that's the big selling point for what we're doing here is the, is the speed, really. Hmm. Okay. Um, any other factors you've noticed because now you're in this field that you know, the public doesn't know about um, hidden difficulties, um, you know, perceptions of it being too easy or too hard or what's realistic, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so uh, is this in the context of the technology or in for, for an amputee? Yeah, how do, you know, how, do um, how does the public see what you do differently from what you actually do? And then maybe the amputee themselves, like, what are their expectations, and do you meet them or see them, or is it okay. completely different? Like, are there misconceptions held by, you know, amputees and doctors and the general public about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So one of the one of the biggest things is people thinking that we are either a hardware company, so that we make the scanners or 3D printers, or that we make the sockets ourselves. Um, making the sockets ourselves is something we're considering at the moment, but um, isn't what we're offering currently. We, we would like to have a, a centralized manufacturing unit in the future, and we are talking to um, third parties about doing that with us, um, but it's not something we're doing right now. Uh, another big uh, mistake, well, not a mistake, it's the doctors sometimes have quite a bad perception of um, CAD software. So on the first time I ever met a prosthetist in my life, he said, if someone comes into the clinic saying they have an uncomfortable prosthetic, the first question they ask is, was your stump, stump scanned? And you would think, you know, 3D scanning, it's precise, that, that should be the best quality. But actually, 
uh, 3D scanning captures information about shape. It doesn't capture information about tactility, so how hard or how soft certain tissues are. And that mm. tactile information is absolutely necessary if you're going to understand um, how the forces act on that stump. So for good reason, doctors see 3D scanning as not a very good technology for prosthetics in its current form. So when we come along with this new technology where we hope to um, you know, bring that bar up to something that's really not only usable but better than what they're currently doing, it's not always easy to convince them of that because they've had these negative experiences in the past. So battling that stigma is yes, yeah, certainly something that we have to tackle. Huh. So, all right. So you can get it um, geometrically right, all the curves, all the, you know, the, mm. the form proper, but what do you do with the tissues, the, um, the resistance, the thickness, the hardness? How do you address that? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I can't go too, too much in depth of the, of the core technology, but it is um, sure. it's essentially an inference. So we're, we're making a strong guess at it based upon the what we gather from the 3D scanner, both um, both in color, but also in, in the shapes. Okay, so you can control for all that and make it more comfortable. Yes, we can. So that, that's that's basically what we're bringing. I mean, people can find out information about shape and tactility if you take an MRI scan, for example. Um, but obviously the queue for an MRI scan, at least in the UK, is something like three months. So that's not really yeah. improving the situation, um, and it's more expensive as well. So what we're doing is um, empowering the 3D scanner to be used in prosthetics. Okay. Hmm. Um, do you have it set up where the um, the prosthetic is all one piece and then just the the socket part gets changed out? Is that what you're saying? Or do you need a whole new prosthetic depending on the uh, the use case and the fit? And yeah, so um, well, when someone has their prosthetic socket changed, you, you keep the old leg and you, you just reattach the new okay. prosthetic socket. Um, but for different people, you may use different prosthetic legs, yeah. Hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, and... What kind of amputations is this best for? You know, is, what's common? Is it at the knee or is it at the hip or just the foot's missing? Or you know, what what's common? So, yeah, at the moment we're we're just offering this technology to transtibial and transfemoral. So that's between the knee and the ankle, and between the knee and the hip, um, where you have it really high up or on the knee. That's where it gets a bit more complicated. So we're we're trying to get it working for these um, more standard cases, and then going um, for these these problem cases. Okay. Yeah. What what's common in the world of uh, of amputees? Is it commonly between those two areas, or do you have you know a lot of cases where just the foot has a problem? Or yeah. So with in developed countries, it's or even elsewhere also, it's normally um, transtibial because it's diabetes and you, you get you get problems in the in the extremities, so it's normally in the foot. So you may have uh, an amputation uh, quite low down the leg. So hopefully, well, from from our experience at least, 
the the two that we're offering right now cover most of the cases. It's unusual that a doctor would choose to make an amputation at the um, ankle or at the knee. I mean, for, for the ankle, the reason is if when you it's a bit like an ice cube tray. You have the bottom of it slightly thinner, so the edges are tapered. And the reason they do that is it's going to be hard to take the ice cube out if it's if it's fatter at the bottom because obviously the walls come in. So, and it's the same with a, a with a leg. You want to make the the shape of the leg tapered so it gets wider as you go up, um, so it's easier to take in and out of the of the prosthetic. But if you amputate at the ankle, then it gets it gets it starts wide and then goes in and then becomes wide again and that's a di really difficult shape to treat so a doctor's much more likely to amputate higher up and give them a great transtibial um, prosthetic rather than preserve more of the leg and then make it impossible for them to walk mm, gotcha okay what happens but when someone gets the prosthetic to the other leg um, does it tire out more easily do people have problems if they become lopsided in their gait or, you know, how does it affect them? So when they have one leg or two legs? Well, when one leg is... Oh, that's true, yeah. How often do you have double amputations versus single and how are people affected differently with, you know, one or the other? Yeah, um, so often people think that um, having only one leg amputated is the best option, but that actually also has its own problems. If someone has one leg amputated, they have a tendency to swing their um, prosthetic leg, and so that can often cause back and hip issues, um, which was quite interesting, because um, you wouldn't necessarily expect that. So there are benefits to having both legs amputated, but it's whether how, how common that is is dependent on the, the cause. So with diabetes, it's um, relatively common if you have a, a traumatic accident like a, a landmine or being run over you know um, it really depends if it's cancer that's caused it then you'll normally only have it on one leg um, but yeah it's more often than not you'll have only one leg amputated but on the old occasion you do get both huh. okay um, you said people will swing the leg that's prosthetic. Why? Because they can't feel anything in the leg and they just, it makes them walk differently is what you're saying? Yeah, so especially with the lower end prosthetics. Um, so if you imagine the knee as a simple hinge, when you're swinging it forward, it will quite often hit the ground. So that's why they, they lift the hip up so it can swing comfortably. Um, there are ways to address that. They have polycentric knees, so knees with essentially two pivot points, and that helps to bring the knee up while it's swinging so you don't have to lift your hip up. Um, but still, it is an issue, and even if it isn't an issue, people tend to compensate unnecessarily, um, at least a little bit anyway. Okay. Any other... Um Oh, oh, well, I don't know if you can talk about this, but uh, cost, is it paid through insurance? I mean, you know, over in the UK and all that, I guess it's, I guess it would be paid through the government, or is this cash pay? Yes. Um, so we're hoping, so it could be used um, in private practice, but in the UK we're, we're hoping that it would be, I mean, it's not in the market in the UK yet, but we're hoping it would be through the NHS because it is 
cutting the cost by around 50%. So it would be cheaper for the NHS. Um, over in the US or elsewhere, um, it would be dependent on your insurance company and what that that policy, um, what's included in their policy. But um, as it is cheaper, again, um, hopefully that will be adopted by most uh, insurance offerings. Can you give, um, I'm not asking the price of your product, but what's the range of what it could be low to high for, um, you know, a custom prosthetic leg like this? The cost for the for the socket. Yeah, for the socket, well, yeah, right, the socket and then also the uh, the leg itself, if you can speak to that. Just ballpark, like low to high, what, what could it be the range, depending on your situation? Okay, so in the UK... Um, I'll, I'll say it in pounds and then see if we can uh, convert. Um, so in sure. the UK, it will normally be um, between three and five thousand pounds. Um, that's for a normal prosthetic socket. Uh, our system would be closer to the to the two thousand pound range. So in dollars, I don't know. Uh, after Brexit, it's pretty much one to one anyway. So um, right. yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, um, yeah. So and for the leg. That can that can also vary. So, as, as we were talking earlier about these bionic legs, these ones with the motors in, they can go up to you know, seventy thousand um, dollars. But obviously, in the NHS, you wouldn't be getting anything near that, or well, most people wouldn't be able to afford one like that. So you're looking at um, maybe around ten thousand dollars up to seventy thousand dollars. That's the kind of ballpark. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. That's not that's not crazy. Then. Hmm. All right. And then, um, what's the best way for for doctors and patients and all that to start finding out more about you and interacting with you and you know determining whether the you know, your process can help them or not? Yeah. Sure. So, I think the first um, the first way and the best way to contact us is via our website. Um, that's you know, dot com, and there's uh, ways to contact us directly or you can just read the web pages and a lot of the information is there but we're more than happy to speak to people. Okay. Well and why is it called Zabian by the way? Where did the name come from? Yeah this is a this is a hard one to justify. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you directly that it was just something I thought sounded techy but I, I've had to now justify it because people keep asking me. Um, <laughs> we, we say we say the X um, represents four limbs which is actually um, a re- really nice, actually, retrospectively, to say that. Um, so, in our logo, we have one of the the, the legs of the X replaced with a, a prosthetic socket. Um, so, and, and yeah, so that, that that's that's where the X comes came from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Yeah, Ben, I appreciate your time. Um, you know, if listeners, like I said, need to, to find out more, they know where to go now. And then, um, yeah, I guess any any final thoughts, anything you wanted me to ask that I missed? Um, I think you did a pretty good job. I, I covered all the bases. Um, but yeah, we, we've the only other thing I would say is that we're we work in partnership with um, a charity. I think one of the, the biggest problems facing prosthetics at the moment is that we treat the the physical aspects. Uh, Separately to the psychological aspect, actually the psychological psychological aspect often isn't addressed at all, and that can be equally difficult um, 
it's very, very common for me to hear that, you know, people, you know, went home and their family treated them differently. And, you know, this guy that's had 10 legs this year, he can't leave the house. Um, and that's difficult. And you often get depression and, you know, it can lead to suicidal um, thoughts. So this charity that we work with, we really want to provide some sort of holistic treatment where it, you know, it's not only the, the, the technology, but also we're helping people go through this difficult process and keeping them um, mentally and physically healthy. Um, so if you want to check them out there, there's a link to, our, uh, link to them on our website. They're called LimbCare. Okay. Well, very good. Okay. Ben, thank you for your time. I appreciate the, uh, the interview. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.